everybody. This is Dr. Lori Shemek. And I'm Omar Cumberbatch. You're listening to This Podcast Burns Fat. Hey, Lori, how are you today? I'm doing great, Omar. How are you doing? Doing great as well. Good, good, good. Here we are. I'm yes. so excited to talk about this podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Ed Harrell was an amazing guest. Um, I kind of was embarrassed, I'm not going to lie, about <laughs> how little I knew about actually breathing and its relation to fat loss. And one of the things, you know, I had an idea where he might go with this show, mm-hmm. but he just took me to another level and I had no idea how important it was. And for the reasons that I had, again, no clue on. So um, it, it's going to be a very, very interesting show. I, and I know people are going to get a lot out of it. Oh, I know. It's going to be enlightening because, you know, he he talks so much about um, how we breathe actually dictates how the quality of our life, really. You know, so he even gives us the amount of minutes to breathe, um, the amount, sorry, of breaths to breathe in a minute to promote fat loss, which I thought was fascinating. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he talks about the stress factor. He talks about how to breathe in every aspect, you know, in terms of creating a better quality of life, how we can be better mentally and physically just by breathing the right way. And I find it interesting about um, how he talks about mouth breathing versus nasal breathing only, right? Yeah, that that was interesting. Yeah. So, uh, better brain health, everything, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, um, healthy, a healthy life. So, yeah, he uh, definitely focuses on the fat loss factor in terms of breathing. And, you know, you're not alone, Omar, because, mm-hmm. you know, I knew that fat loss and breathing were connected, but, you know, it's particularly how we lose fat. A lot of people think that we mm-hmm. just eliminate fat out of our body, but we actually breathe fat out of our body. So it's really uh, uh, great to know. Yeah, that, that was yeah. fascinating. And the fact that, again, like we all are actually breathing incorrectly and it's something right. like we just don't um, put much emphasis on, even though it's so important. Um, and so mm-hmm. that, that was one of the things that I really got out of the show. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yes. Very enlightening, as I said. Absolutely. So let's jump into Ed's show. Sounds wonderful. Hey, Ed. Welcome to the show. How are you today? Great, Omar. Thanks for having me. Hi, Ed. Thank you for coming today. It's really great to have you here. Uh, Lori, it's great to hear your voice and share some information to help people in their lives. Thank you. Yes, you have a ton of information and really important information, in fact. So um, do you, can you share a story? It's actually, when I read it, it was very dramatic in uh, how the, it brought you to where you are today in doing what you do. Yeah, about 25 years ago, I was a, a professional marathon swimmer, and I was competing in a, a race around Absecon Island in southern New Jersey. And Absecon Island is the island that holds Atlantic City, Ventnor, Margate, and Longport. And I grew up in Ventnor, so this was something that went on every year, and it was a dream of mine to be in this race. Mm-hmm. So, the, you know, it was a bad day for it, though. The water was was cold. The ocean was 58, 59 degrees when we got in. And, you know, the first seven miles went, you know, 
really well. I was moving along and uh, just no problems at all. And then between mile seven and 14, I began to really break down psychologically and physiologically. The colder temperatures uh, of the ocean had really taken me to the edge, and I had to use so much energy to fight off the hypothermia. And the waves, right? Yeah, yeah. It it was just terrible. And uh, around the 14-mile mark in the back base behind Ventnor, the water got a little warmer. I began to breathe a little bit differently. And all I can say is I felt this warm energy come up from my pelvic bowl and it entered my brain and all of a sudden there was no fear. There was no insecurity. There was no sense that I can't do this. And I, all of a sudden I, I thought I was like a nuclear reactor, a superhuman. My stroke oh. rate came back up to 90 strokes a minute and the last seven and a half miles, just I really began to see how to swim well, even though I was already a pro swimmer. The, the message from from my brain, from this energy was, don't move your arms through the water. Let the water molecules move your arms. And that to me was, blew my ego away because I always think there's resistance against what you want to do against nature. And as I was in this altered state through breath work and bringing the energy up from pelvis, I merged with nature and nature began to move me. So it was just an amazing event and something I'll never do again, but it's, it's off the bucket list. Right. <laughs> but thankfully that happened because you're here now helping people in the world. So that's fantastic. You know, the message is for me, the takeaway from that is, is that we, we need to be patient. We need to listen to the body. We need to stop self-sabotaging. We need to get out of our own way. Trust that there's so many gifts inside us that we can't even count that high if we can just let these gifts come to the surface. Wow. Focusing on your breath and focusing on this amazing story that is inside of each of us and has to be told for us to live pain-free. Wow. That's amazing. That is really amazing. Yeah, no, it's definitely a great story and definitely a great segue into how you got into this, the, these breath exercises and how it helps us overall. And now a lot of us in the fat loss world, we think of, you know, breathing in its relation to stress and cortisol and stuff like that. But you also say that you can lose weight in another way through breath. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So, you know, predominantly, if we just pare this thing down, we, we breathe kind of two ways, okay? Either we breathe through our nose or we breathe through our mouth. And <clears throat> when you think about it, when we came out of our mother, you know, every baby you see is breathing through its nose. In fact, every adolescent is breathing through its nose until it starts to develop ego or a sense of self that is competitive or judges others or allows itself to be judged or it labels experiences through the ego mind. The idea Mm -hmm. here is to remember that every animal on earth is breathing through its nose its entire life unless it's hunting, getting food, or running away and not becoming someone else's food. Now, these animals are tied in to their genetics, their culture, the environment where they come from, you know, humans have free will. In other words, we can break nature. And after years of habitual mouth breathing, you'll notice the mind turns into fear will. There is no more free will. So when I work with folks, number one, the first place we start is 
We start to reestablish the way you were breathing as a young baby, which is in through the nose and out through the nose. And if we could just break this down, let's start with the brain. When the brain sees air coming in and out through the mouth, it immediately senses that something isn't right in the environment and there's a low level or high level stress alert in areas of the brain that trigger glucose. It triggers sugar. It triggers a a higher heart rate. That's going to trigger insulin. It's going to begin to break down and raise cortisol levels throughout our, our bloodstream. And this is very, very hard to get out and you will not burn fat and it'll become very difficult to get a good night's sleep. Mm -hmm. So the first thing we want to do is we want to reestablish nostril breathing during the day where we begin to notice that for some reason or another, there is an unconscious mouth breathing response. Isn't it true that some, most people are mouth breathers? Isn't that right? Most people just don't breathe through their nose naturally. It seems to be over the last decade or so that we've totally gone away from nostril breathing. And as a culture, as a civilization, we're living human life in a mild state of hyperventilation. Mm -hmm. This is not a human existence. This is not even an animal existence. There is an underlying sense of insecurity or I'm not good enough or neediness that is moving through our businesses, it's going through our families, it's going through our athletic events where there is unnecessary stress and codependency in all of our interpersonal and external relationships. And I could could argue with folks about it that in the back of the house of the brain and how the physiology of the body is responding is the mouth breathing is the root cause of all stress levels. I believe that. And in terms of uh, weight gain, the cortisol levels rise and it promotes hunger, it promotes cravings, it promotes fat storage, the list goes on. And um, so when you're breathing properly, it actually promotes weight loss. And there's another, I know, another facet to this weight loss factor, this fat loss factor that you talk about as well in terms of breathing. Well, let's just break this down in the simplicity here if we can. Mm -hmm. The length of your breath, in other words, how many seconds does it take you to inhale and how many seconds does it take you to exhale? You'll notice that there is longer length in the nostril breath than there is in the mouth breath. So ideally, what we'd like you to do is always inflate your lungs fully, slowly, and your exhale should be twice as long in length as your inhale. So if you inhale for a two count, you should exhale for a four count. You inhale for a six count, exhale for a 12 count. When you begin to breathe simply in that fashion, from a physiological standpoint, Research shows us that the fat-burning organ is the lungs. Fat, 85% of our fat is burned through the lungs and put back out into the environment. 15% is burned through sweat, urination, 
and emptying our bowels. So lengthening your exhale from a physiological standpoint is going to keep you in a fat-burning mode during the day. Emotions are stored in fat molecules. They're not stored in sugar molecules because they're not in our body as long as the fat cells are. So when you're looking to clear karma or you're looking to clear pain in our life where we've made choices that we wish we haven't, and power has been taken away from us, you must burn fat. From the psychological standpoint, when you're exhaling longer than your inhale, the brain loves to see that. Mm -hmm. The fear centers of the brain, the limbic system of the brain, the amygdala and the hypothalamus, the, the, the master of our respiration rates. When the amygdala and hypothalamus are calm, when they see that exhale longer than the inhale, the first thing they do is they sense the environment that we're in is safe. So there's a relaxation response, and that signal goes down into the body to burn fat. So if you can just, during your waking hours, turn off that parasitic energy of the fear centers of the brain, because there's nothing to be afraid of 99.9% .9 of the time. These are just thoughts. That's just information. It's our perspective. It is our perception of these thoughts that is causing the heart rate and blood pressure to go up. It's causing the cortisol levels and insulin levels to rise. It's causing the body to burn the sugar rather than the fat. Wow. Yeah, see, that's, that's yeah. Yeah. That is something else. And I, I it right. was fascinating just reading it because I, I, I know that you touched on it a little bit, but can you just expand a little bit about like when you say that we lose weight on the exhale? Yeah. So there's some great research that's come out of Australia recently. <clears throat> and, you know, it kind of blew my mind that <clears throat> the exchange of energy between inhale and exhale and the fuel and the combustion that takes place in the body during the during the process of exhale, what's happening is, is the abdominal diaphragm muscle is being pushed uh, up towards your collarbone. So your cardiovascular organs are receiving a wonderful massage. Now, the lower lobes of your lungs are imbued with parasympathetic or serotonin, oxygen-rich, alkaline-rich nerve endings. So as you lengthen your exhale, the lower lobes of the lungs are stimulating a relaxation response. In that, gases, uh, fluids in the body are being exchanged back out through steam through the nostrils, putting that back out into the field, and your primary fuel will be fat. That, that fat-burning mechanism comes from the lungs on the exhale. That is absolutely fascinating. And they have found through research that you're, you actually do uh, metabolize fat. People think that you... Um, excrete it out when in fact you don't you actually a lot of it is br you're breathing it out in fact that's, so, what, that's what it appears to be now yeah so that's really amazing well the um so when that happens um you you're not only when you're breathing properly um uh, you're you mention and uh reading your information say that breathing influences our energy management, which we just talked about in our posture. <laughs> yeah. So I was really impressed with that one. I thought, really? Okay. Let's talk about that one for a second. Oh, thank you so much. 
you know, when we think about it, when the air comes, if you're, if you're in a chair right now listening to this uh, beautiful conversation, if you start to breathe through your mouth while, while you're in the chair that you're in, begin to notice the sensations that you're picking up in your low back. When you breathe through your mouth, the abdominal diaphragm muscle, which is the primary inspiratory or muscle of inhale, doesn't vertically press down towards lumbar four and five, which are the primary drivers of a straight spine. So if you begin to notice, if you're in a seated position and you breathe through your mouth, notice what you're feeling in the low back. Now begin to switch the inhale to your nose and inhale as slowly as you can through your nose, down into your belly, and then through the chest and up into your shoulders. And you'll begin to notice that on the inhale through the nose, the air is drawn down into the lower lobes of the lungs. The diaphragm muscle vertically presses down towards your belly button and your low back becomes erect. So you have wonderful posture when you're inhaling through your nose. This wonderful posture in the body is picked up by the brain and the brain loves to see a straight spine when we're rotating through the choices of the moment. So the diaphragm muscle, for it to be fully active, the diaphragm muscle is a dual muscle. Number one, it is the primary driver of our inhale and the length of our inhale. And number two, it is the primary muscle of posture or a straight spine. And the straighter the spine, I would argue, the more open the mind. Whoa, that's important information. Yeah, that makes sense too. Yeah, I'm so glad that we're doing this podcast because if we were doing a YouTube video, that's all you would see me be doing. I'm doing everything. All I'm doing is breathing and trying to yeah. <laughs> follow it along, and I look, I must look crazy. But um, one of the things that I did want to kind of jump in with is like, what can we do to like get away from this? Because I'm like, again, I'm practicing as we're speaking. Um, I am totally a mouth <laughs> breather. How do we do this day to day to kind of correct that and reverse it? And I'm just the opposite, nose breather. Well, that's great. You, to some degree, look, we're all in sales. You mm -hmm. have to sell this to your brain that this is what I would prefer you to do when I'm not concentrating on my breathing you know, either in, you know, meditation or exercise or yoga or walking. So you have to consciously begin to invest a few minutes every day. So that the brain begins to see that the new activity that you're suggesting is benevolent in its nature and what it's offering the brain. The brain won't argue with you if you do it enough and the brain sees that it, that it brings value, it'll let it happen. The two most important parts of the day to introduce new behaviors to the brain is the first five minutes of getting up and the last five minutes before you go to sleep. Oh, that's so important. That's important information, everybody. <laughs> Heads yeah. up. Yeah, because the brain is most receptive. Exactly. Exactly. Because there will be resistance to change based on your relationship with maybe being stubborn or the need to always be right or, you know, things like that mm -hmm. that don't fully service. But that is who we are at this time. 
So, you know, the idea is to remove as much resistance as possible when we're trying to introduce new habits to the brain. And when you think about when you're getting up in the morning, you're coming out of the delta waves, which are the most uh, dynamic, slow waves, and you move into the theta waves where they're a little faster, you're not fully awake, you're not fully asleep. Then you have the wonderful alpha waves where you're just feeling so zenned out and there's all sorts of creativity. And then you eventually would move into the beta waves, which is where you operate you know, at your workplace or whatever your tasks are during the day. And the opposite of that would occur when you're going to sleep. You're leaving the beta waves and you're moving into the alpha state and things begin a little slurry and then you move into the theta state and you're not really fully awake, you're not really fully asleep and then you get into the delta wave. So getting into that alpha state or that theta state is the optimal state to adapt new behaviors and adapt to environments correctly. That being said, like, is there a place for mouth breathing? I know that's kind of a silly question in a sense, because if you're, you're running and you need air and you just have to breathe, you, you do whatever you have to do. Is there a place like usually for, for mouth breathing? There is a place for mouth breathing, but what I would like folks to do is if they're out exercising and the body's being called to mouth breathe, what I would offer to you is simply at that point, start to walk or stop until you can establish nostril breathing again. Because when you are mouth breathing, you have to understand that you're not creating health for yourself. There's not going to be any long-term health there. You're probably stimulating some sort of mental egoic state of consciousness, trying to replay something in the past where you might've been faster or maybe trying to future trip out into something. You're not going to burn fat breathing through your mouth. Or if you are going to burn fat, there'll be a debilitating effect where you'll be exhausted for a day or two. The idea here is to begin to train yourself that you're going too hard through your neuromusculoskeletal system when you're going through your mouth. Slow down, get control of your breath, and then when your breath is back to nasal inhale, nasal exhale, then begin to move again at a pace and begin to train the brain that every day you can go another block without having to breathe through your mouth. And then in a week, you've gone another seven blocks. Wow. That is amazing. That is really fantastic. Because we have to have patience mm -hmm. with the body. The body doesn't tell time like the head. So the body's in this for the long haul. The head is always in it for some short-term gain. So the ego. Yeah. So we're trying to bounce every moment. You're either feeding you know, that beautiful spirit or you're, you know, you're feeding the ego. There really isn't a, a middle ground there for us. And we can see this playing out in our culture in higher states of stress, in states of emotional outbursts and things like, and anxiety and things like that. The body really is in charge. It is. And it naturally does what it's supposed to do. We don't have to think about it. But, you know, through the anxiety, the, the anxieties, the traumas, the emotional uh, conditions that we all go through at times in our lives, um, we've trained ourselves to become mouth breathers or that we're not conscious of what we're doing and purposefully actually breathing well. And um, so I recommend to my clients, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, uh, but 
478 technique. I don't know if you've heard of that or the box breathing technique. Yeah. Those two are excellent, in my opinion, for stress reduction. Yeah, they're, they're both wonderful. And uh, number one, when we're talking about the length of the breath, in other words, how long you can inhale and how long you can exhale, when you're taking less breaths per minute, you're going to have a lower heart rate. More breaths per minute is going to mean a higher heart rate because heart rates work off of respiration rates. So if you can get yourself to a point where you can control your breathing, less breaths per minute is going to mean a lower heart rate. A lower heart rate is going to mean more balanced blood pressure, which means that your primary fuel is going to be fat instead of sugar. When your blood pressure is imbalanced, your body will naturally, in a relaxed way, burn its fat stores from the hips, from the glutes, from the belly. And when fat is your primary fuel, fat is an endurance fuel. You know, it can weather the mental storms, the peaks and valleys of the seesaw much better than sugar. Right. Absolutely. When you get up this morning, you have 30 days of fat stores that your body can utilize as energy. You have 90 minutes of sugar stores. So if you get up in the morning, you start this mouth breathing, you're going to have about 90 minutes of focus. And when that sugar is depleted after lunch, you are going to be in the peaks and valleys of the mind. You're going to be ungrounded from the body. You're going to be bouncing off the walls. Most of the poor choices we make are between 2 o'clock in the afternoon and 6 o'clock at night. Why does that happen? Because we burn all our sugars between 8 and 10 in the morning. So we Mm -hmm. don't have the fuel to have a strong mind-body connection to stay in this 24-hour cycle. So whatever you're doing, understand it, that your DNA is designed to breathe through your nose. And if you're not doing that, you're overheating your system. And you can do that, but there will be an energetic and an awareness price to pay in the future. Well, no, it's interesting stuff because I'm just thinking about when, when you're you're saying um, a lot of my energy is burnt. I'm beat out, and, and I need coffee. I <laughs> it's is not really a, a very good way to go through the day. So I can Omar has that. twins. <laughs> <laughs> that too. Two year olds. It's okay. Yes, but I, listen, I, go you got to get the breath through the mouth. I mean, excuse me, the nose. They got me talking about it. <laughs> you got to get the breath through the nose. And, and you know, stay on that exhale because that's going to trigger a relaxation response physiologically and psychologically. And it stops the stress response in its tracks immediately. Yeah, the body is always in the present moment. Mm-hmm. The mind, the brain, not so much. So when you look at the science in regard to what our consciousness is, the average person is only present five seconds out of every minute. The other 55 seconds, based on their level of perception of stress and value, the brain is either off trying to manipulate something in our past that has already occurred, or it's trying to future trip out into the future and control that. Now, these are wonderful things, but 
It's not reality. Reality right. takes place in the present. Why do they call it the present? Because it is a gift from the universe. Yeah, I love that. That's one of my favorite quotes. I love it. So, Ed, how do we... Uh, now, you talk about managing... Breathing right manages our heart rate and our heart rate variability, which is a key marker in how healthy we are, and our thoughts, our emotions. But how do we do that in the right way? Is it just breathing in and the long exhale? And if so, how many times? Whether you're mouth breathing or nostril breathing, always do it as slowly as you possibly can. Ideally, we want you to breathe through your nose because that's what the body and the brain enjoy. But if you are going to breathe through your mouth, you try to do it as slowly as you can. You're not going to have the same fat-burning, relaxation qualities and neurological activity as someone who's nostril breathing, but at least you're not panting and hyperventilating. The heart rate variability science, just to simplify it as much as we can, could be classified as the amount of parasympathetic activity Mm -hmm. in the body. We know that heart rates are individual the EKGs that we look at, each heart rate that we have, each heartbeat in our life is individual on its own. And we know that the heartbeat is based on number one, breath, number two, perception, number three, environment. All of these things play such a huge role. When we can grow a space between the heartbeats that is slightly longer than what it was yesterday, you're doing the finest work any human being could do for themselves and their family and coworkers and teammates at this point in your life. Uh, very well put. I had a quick question too regarding like obviously nose breathing and its effect on athletic performance because we do have a lot of athletes who do listen to this show. Um, how could it help in athletic performance? Well, Everything that I do when I work with athletes, it all begins with controlling your breath. One of the things about the psychological effect of that is, is when you physiologically control your breathing, in other words, you're present in your breathing, you know what's happening, you're controlling your thoughts. Is that a form of meditation, would you say? It is a form of meditation. And let's face it, if you don't control your thoughts, Mm -hmm. I don't care just in sports, your thoughts will control you. And you might have a few good years, but the idea is you want to get stronger as you get older. You don't want to overheat your body. So everything that I do is about training inspiratory and expiratory muscles, adding those protocols, breathing strategies into your running, your biking, your weightlifting, uh, your yoga, whatever it may be. Because when you begin to control your breath, you strengthen these inspiratory and expiratory muscles. When you begin to notice what begins to happen, your heart rate will go up, but your heart rate will come back down the resting so much faster when you're not overheating your system with adrenaline and cortisol and high levels of acidity and your heart rate gets up so high, you lose your legs, and then you're just running between your ears. The idea is keep that mind-body connection strong. The main gift about nostril breathing control and the way I teach it at my institute is 
it actually stimulates in the inside of the body high altitude training. So in other words, you might be in New York City, you know, 10 feet above sea level. Well, if you're doing controlled breath work and you're sticking to that during your cardiovascular experience, the inside of your body is going to think you're at 10,000 feet. So you're going to get twice the quality of workout in half the time, half the wear and tear, and get a better night's sleep. That's astounding. Yes. Mm -hmm. And also, speaking of sleep, leads to better sleep, correct? Yes. Which yes. means lower cortisol for those who are trying to reduce weight. You have to lower your cortisol levels to feel comfortable inside your skin, to mm -hmm. feel inside your story. You have to understand cortisol is something that was only designed to be secreted for 90 seconds to three minutes. Again, it's part of the lower brain, the, the mammalian brain, we hear the reptilian brain, the animal brain. What it's designed to, it's designed to get food or be able to scoot your food and not become someone else's food. Mm -hmm. And you're going to get so much more quality out of your exercise routine when you're stimulating a relaxation response through the parasympathetic branch of the autonomic nervous system and insulating yourself from the debilitating negative effects of high levels of adrenaline, cortisol, high levels of acidity in your blood. So when you have that strong vagal tone in exercise, your heart rate will go up, but it won't go up as long and it will come back to resting faster, which will give you a better night's sleep. No, that definitely makes a lot of sense. Oh. And I know this, this might be a little weird question, but I'm just curious because, again, <laughs> we have, you know, I, I'm, I'm eating all this up. What role, if any, does diet have in the ability for us to have to take a better breath? Well, diet is, is our medicine. I love that. It, yes. Everything you're eating is either killing you or keeping you alive. There, you know, there's really no middle ground. Now, I don't like to get into too much of the nutrition stuff because there's so many different strategies and it's a great way to p piss people off <laughs> who don't agree with you. And sure. you know, the, the idea is, <clears throat> number one, is when you, when you eat something, how do you feel an hour later? And that feeling not thought, that feeling has great insight in regard to what you just took in as your fuel is accepting to the body or the body is rejecting it. it it's complicated feeding the human machine because you have the brain and the brain and all its cholesterol, you know, it loves sugar. And you've got this body that kind of hates sugar and loves fiber. And, you know, a balanced approach as the seasons go on is so important and you know your breath is really you know the tool in regard to incinerating the waste that's being cooked in your gut you know so in other words you eat something and your body cooks it again in its journey through the body and then it is excreted so the idea is to eat foods and drink fluids that don't create excessive mucus that don't create excessive phlegm. If you wake up in the morning and you've got that groggy throat, something that you've eaten yesterday, you're allergic to. Finding that out, use yourself as a guinea pig. 
go on a little adventure and research and take a couple things out from the day before and see if the next time you get up in the morning, you don't have that mucus and phlegm. Right. And I would also add that certain foods like sugars, for example, um, can create uh, low-level stress in the body. Wouldn't you agree that shallow breathing can happen and the stress response then occurs? Yeah. The brain loves that excitement that comes mm-hmm. from the sugar. You know, And our mind, if we're not careful, you know, likes it too because you know, it makes us feel young. But the problem is, is that it's unsustainable and, and, and you will crash. The idea is to not get too high, not get too low, find flow, become aware of an impediment. And before your car's off the road, pull yourself back into the middle of the road. Hmm. No, well said, well said. Yes. So, Ed, we're going to wrap up the show now. Thank you so much for all this information. Can you please give us like your website and you know what you're up to, social media handles, if any, and how we could keep in touch with what you're doing and Absolutely. get more information on uh, what your future projects might be? Uh, thank you so much. It's, it's been great being with you guys. And folks can get me at uh, com or go be great. Uh, I have a book out called Life with Breath. Uh, IQ plus EQ equals a new you. And in that book, there's some great science and there's a 30 day breathing program. And in that breathing program, you can learn that program and you'll turn into a fat burning neuroplastic machine. (laughs) And you'll just be drawing people into your life that just want to love you and you'll want to love them. (laughs) Are you on social media? And yeah, I'm on, I'm on all the channels, the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram, and all those lovely... Ed, as Ed Harold. Yes. Okay, great. Double well, R, I'll right? I'll be following Double you. R. Yes, two R's. Yeah. Two R's and Harold. Great. Yes, thank you so much, Ed, for joining us. You really are uh, a breath of fresh air. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I want to thank both of you for your, uh, your love, your attention, and all the great work oh. you're doing. Thank you. Appreciate and that. The feeling is very mutual. Thank you. Okay. You have a good good day. Good night, everyone. Good, good night. night. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of This Podcast Burns Fat. We're so excited to have you as a listener, and we're hoping that you've really enjoyed the content as well. And if you did, please run over to iTunes and provide a rating and or review. It will go a long way in helping us continuously build our listenership up so that we can provide you with the excellent content regarding fat loss, weight management, and just an overall healthy lifestyle. Thanks so much. Have a great night. Mm-hmm.